everybody. Welcome to the Sci-Fi Sisters podcast, where we give you our point of view. We are proud members of the Trek Geeks Network, and we're here with a Trek Geeks Network guest today. Yeah, I can say that. I'm Tamia Harper, and I'm joined by my sister, Sabrina Wood. Whoop, whoop. And we are also joined today by our brother in Trek, a member of our Trek Geek family, Mr. Jamie Rogers from the Divine Treasury. Yay! Yay! Yay. So good, so good to be here. Love my sisters. <laughs> so good to have you here. Now, why you say is Jamie? joining us on the sci-fi sister show well number one we're family so that's the first thing (laughs) i dare you to start singing (laughs) we are family (laughs) see there we go (laughs) i got all my trek geeks with me hey there you go i was i was wondering if jamie was gonna hit i got all my sisters with me i was waiting for it but I like that. I got See, all my I'm, tricks. I'm a drummer, so I'm not, the vocals aren't really good, but I can provide the rhythm. Thank I can right provide now. the r and right now. I knew you were the right man for this show. That's right. <laughs> and we t- and this show today is going to be all about collecting. We know a lot of people out there like myself are complete novices when it comes to uh, collecting uh, for franchises that we love, uh, uh, particularly Trek, but any franchise. And I know some people out there are super pros like Jamie. Uh, so and he, so he's here to walk us through the ones and twos on the collecting scheme and all sorts of other things. But leading us in this discussion today is going to be Sabrina, because this is kind of up her alley, too. So, Sabrina, I I love she she likes stuff. She likes stuff. Take it away, sis. Thank you, Tamia. And Jamie, I'm so psyched. We've been trying to do this show for a little bit because I love listening to the Divine Treasury because I want to be a collector but being that C personality that I am, you know, I'm an accountant during the day. I need to know, you know, protocol, facts, rules, like how come, what am I doing? Where am I going to put it? So <laughs> what we want to do today is do a collecting 101 kind of show for those of us that are totally excited about all this new track and don't know where to start with, <laughs> with buying things, We're just buying things randomly. So I have a bunch of questions and I think so does Tamia. But first of all, I just want to get. Yes, I do. <laughs> I want to get a little bit of background about how you got started collecting and what's your favorite stuff that you really, really love about your Star Trek collection. So obviously my collecting started when I was very, very young. I collected everything. Um, and I'm going to start out by saying I'm what you call a completist. So a completist is, you know, they drive themselves absolutely crazy if they don't have complete sets of things. And this applies to pretty much every aspect of my life. Like uh-huh. whether I'm getting movies or DVDs, like I will buy things, even if like, so for instance, I'll buy a movie that's in a set of other movies. I may never watch that movie ever but I have to have it because mm, I have guy. To, yeah, I have to have things that are complete. And when it's not complete, it drives me absolutely crazy. Um, it, and I it's, and it's weird too. Like, like I said, it, it takes on, 
different dynamics like you know my music side I, I play drums like my drums all have to be the same brand my symbols oh, all have to be the okay. same brand you know so like i'm very particular about how i do things you know conditions a big deal with certain things it's not as much of a a, a big deal with other things um presentations another big piece to it so there, there's so many aspects of it but it really started when i was very young um you know i started watching star trek i think i was i think i was about five or six um first thing i ever saw was the motion picture wow okay another so, motion picture. nice wow yeah. that was your intro to track. that was my intro so we had friends that were very close to to my family uh, my brother and i uh, my brother was three years older than me, um, but they were huge Star Trek and Star Wars fans. Like they were original series. The father had seen the original series when it came out initially. Um, and they were just, they were huge Star Trek fans. They were the type, and they were very OCD about collecting too. They, mm -hmm. you know, they used to collect the Franklin mint um, stuff. Um, so, you know, my mother was always curious as to what to introduce to her kids you know, so they were always talking about Star Wars and Star Trek. And so the first Star Trek that we got, you know, he said, start with the motion picture. So that was my first foray into Star Trek. And what captivated me so much about the motion picture was the opening sequence with the Klingons. And then that sequence where they're going around the ship, you know, that that eight oh, minute sequence. Yeah, the, yeah. So that was so good. I mean, they were just you. I was like. Are they still, are we still looking at the ship? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, that, that whole sequence feels like it's like a half hour long, uh, but I think it's, I think it's like eight minutes, I believe if I remember correctly, but um, that really kind of like put me in the mode of, I want that ship. Yes. I need that. And you know, it, I loved those older movies even more than I like, the newer movies because like there's something about the real model it looks so real and it looks mm. it, it just as a kid it made me feel like like when i watched star wars too it was like you know i can see myself in that world because it looks real you know mm. it looks dirty it looks you know so that was that was the first thing i ever saw was the motion picture you know it started with the original series and the original series movies i remember seeing you know rathacon not too long after that i remember seeing search for spock on tv and i taped that off a of tv and i just remember i'd watch that over and over and over again um but my collecting really came from those friends of ours. Like when I would go over their house and I would see some of the things that they had and some of the things that he would actually make himself. Like I said, he made his own tri-dimensional chess set, which was really cool. But I even noticed like when they would tape the shows off of TV, you know, he would, he would be really detailed and he'd make liner notes and write oh, everything wow. out. And that, that was stuff that like interests me that he was a collector, but he was very, particular and OCD about it. That's, that's kind of where it started. So then I went into next generation and, you know, next generation was what I was watching live. And then the figurines came out in 1992, the playmates figurines. And that was it. Um, I had to get that whole set. I got the mm -hmm. bridge, I got the transporter. Um, and I mean, I, I played those figurines and, and, but like I said, I was very particular, even at a young age, 
you know, I had to do my figurines a certain way. Like, you know, first season Worf couldn't be with third season Picard. Oh and, you know, it's just, that, but that's, so that's how I am. Out of the box? Did you say you played with them? I did. Cause I was, I was young at the okay. time. Yeah, I, 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 right. did, I did play with them. Now I have them in the box, but okay. I, 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 I did at the time, you know, that was, you know, Wait, are these the same ones that you had when you were a kid? No, I've, I've replaced, oh, okay. I've replaced, you know, okay. I still have my original ones. I had passed Good. them on to my son, um, but they're actually Aww. down in my room still. So, um, but yeah, that's, that's really where it started for me was those playmates figurines being able to, um, you know, have those bridge scenes play out in my, in my room when I was young was that, that was it. That's where that's really where it started. So, you know, I listened to one of your shows about the uh, we were talking about this a little earlier. You, you start talking about the figurines and those Playmate ones were really they were toys. They yes, they came out for kids, but that's all that we had. So people were buying them and they were collecting them like they were, you know, collectibles. But now we have these new ones that are being made by the company um, that you had on your show and you interviewed. And I went on their website. These things are incredible. Oh, my word. It looks like they look like the real deal. And it's, you know, it's it's crazy. It's crazy what they look like. Absolutely so crazy. They're, they're called one sixes and they're museum replicas, right? Yeah. So the one six stands for the basically um, the ratio the size, of, okay. yeah, the size compared to like the, an actual life size person. So it's so like it's a one foot, six, so it's like 12 yeah. inches, probably high. Yeah. It's one sixth of, yeah. you know, the size. So like, if you ever see something like a die cast car or any sort of collectible, it's always a ratio of what it is to the actual, what it actually is. Okay. Okay. So, so one, one collectors, there's figurines that are toys. And then there were figurines that are like museum replicas. So don't be fooled. <laughs> <laughs> so, but you know, what's interesting though, is anything out there can be a collectible. Well, that's sure. what you know, I was going to ask you, like, yeah. you know, what, what, would, what do you say to um, somebody who's like, I'm interested in collecting stuff, but you know, I'm not really into ships or, you know, I, like a lot of people, I want into the same type of stuff that uh, a lot of collectors see. Like, I don't care about dolls. Ooh, yep. Don't call it a doll. It's an action figure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, but it's, it's whatever, it's whatever you like, whatever you want, you know, and whatever is an expression of your fandom, that's that's collecting. I mean, there are people that collect movies, VHS tapes, right? And you know, there there are people that collect musical instruments. It's whatever is whatever is your passion, you know, um, or how you express it. I used to collect when I was young. I remember we had these gold coins that we used to get at Sunoco gas station. And they had like the different presidents on there. Oh my God. Yeah. You know, and, and I, I remember I, those. I, I remember collecting all that. the presidents. You had to get all the presidents. And it's a really funny story. When I was in fourth grade, I was in fourth grade. I had this teacher and she used to have these state stickers. So it was the all 50 States. Yep. So like when you got a hundred on your test, she would put one of the state stickers on there. And I remember the kids in the class being like, Hey, you got Wisconsin, you got a double of Wisconsin. Okay. I'll, tra I'll trade you in Iowa for Wisconsin, you know, like that, but because I used to, I collected them, you know, I, it just, for some reason, anything that I acquired, I always would turn it into, Oh, I got to complete this. I got to collect this, you know? 
Um, and, and, and some things aren't worth money, but but they're worth you know they're worth some. It's they're worth something to they're you something for to sure. You. you know. So I'm that person that collected the Red Rose tea figurines that came in the tea box. So I have like all of like Noah's Ark and all the animals. <laughs> they were like these little figurines that that were made out of. I think. I forget what it was. I don't know. They were just cute, but I have them all over. So, okay, don't judge. Yeah. That's my thing. Okay, so the <laughs> thing I'm collecting now, Jamie, I'm into this because I'm old school. Yeah, I'm a baseball card person. You know, that was the thing that you collected back when oh, I was. Wait until you see my collection of baseball card stuff. Oh, we got to go into this man's uh, vault. Well, the thing I'm collecting are cards. So I have yep. my Star Trek cards. And I have the first season of Discovery. Okay. So I'm looking for the second season. I don't have that yet. And I have uh, TOS cards. So here I am. I'm feeling this kind of completest thing going on here where I want all the cards. Now, how do you, <laughs> I know, how, how do I know? Is there a place that you can go to like get information about oh, like, yeah. certain things and like say, how do I know I have all the cards? Okay. So depending on where you buy from, um, so are you buying written house sets or are you buying tops? Oh, where are you? I just got the stuff from the so, guy that told me it was. <laughs> all right. I'm, I'm going to give you a, okay. a, a one-stop shop for most trading cards, uh-huh. customizable card game cards, toys, models, it's a website called Wixabon.com. Ooh, we got to put this in the notes, people. Wixabon.com. So it's W-I-X-I-B-A-N. And, you know, he, he does a couple different genres. Like he does Battlestar Galactica. He does like Star Wars. But anything you can think of for mm-hmm. collectibles, like, you know, toys, figurines, ships from Eagle Moss, um, you know, the written house cards, the skybox cards, and then the decipher, like the customizable card games, like you, the, the games you like play, they're all listed on this site. He does like, and you can oh. literally go on to the one that you're, you're looking to, to collect and he'll have it all listed out. He'll have pictures of them, you know, okay. what the numbers are. So, I mean, a big thing, you know, is getting a checklist, you know, checklists are, are, are a big thing. And, you know, back when I was young, you didn't, we didn't have the internet and we didn't have things, No, no you, you, just you know, a- all these resources that we have. So, you know, you had to wait to get a checklist in a, in a pack of, car, you know, one of the packs. What to, is a checklist? Break this down for those so, of us who don't know. So for cards, a checklist is basically a, it, the card that where its sole purpose is to tell you every card in the set. Okay. Got so it. if you're buying like a set of baseball cards, the baseball cards might be numbered um, you know, one to 700. Right. And, you know, so you you might have like three or four checklists that'll list off. Okay. Number one is Alex Rodriguez. Number two is Derek Jeter, whatever, you know, Mm -hmm. it'll have all the cards listed. So you back then that's how, that's the only way you really knew, you know, how to find those cards, which ones you were missing. Um, you know, back in the day, that's how, well, that's how feeling, you used to have I'm to feeling do it. Like some serious, you know, card buying coming on here. Now that I know that there's a checklist. Oh yeah. But go, go to Wixabon because okay. that, I mean, it has everything and, and it will have, you know, variations on the cards and um, alternate styles and autographs, everything. 
I mean, he it's it's amazing what they do on that website. It's like a Wikipedia for Star Trek collecting. Wikipedia. So it sounds awesome. I want to go back a little bit to your um, your collecting history, and so you started off with action figures. Yep. Um, what did you get into next? I mean, and did you stay in a Trek in a Star Trek lane for a while, or did the, did your collecting then expand to other other places? So my collecting young was the figurines and then baseball cards. I, I, I went baseball cards and football cards, basketball cards. And, you know, that was, that was what I wanted to do. You know, my parents got divorced when I was 12. And when I used to go with my father once a week, I'd go to the card shop near my house. And, you know, our routine would be, I would buy, you know, whatever, 10, 11, I'd use my allowance and get, whatever set I was putting together. And then that card shop, he would actually have the singles that I was missing. Ooh. And he would literally like, I'd go through, I say, okay, I'm missing number one. I'm missing number 17. And I would buy the individual singles that I was missing to complete my sets. But, um, I went through a period where I was putting together basketball sets. You know, I had every flare set from the Michael Jordan rookie year till, um, you know, into the nineties. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. So I have, you know, all those flare sets, you know, flare ultra, you know, I have Shaq's rookie and Kobe Bryant's rookie and Jordan's rookie, Pip, Scotty Pippen's rookie, Ewing, all those guys. Um, you know, I would collect the sets every year. So mm -hmm. same thing with football, baseball. Um, but that's really where it was. And as I got a little older, I kind of got away from star Trek in the, as I was like a teenager, um, I got away from Star Trek from collecting. I was working a lot. And then as when I got out of high school, I, I started to kind of collect cards again, but like really high end cards. I really started getting into the, the cards that had either autographs on them okay. or memorabilia pieces. Um, cause that stuff started to appeal to me like the, you know, the bats, you know, I, I, I got a Ty Cobb bat one time where it was a piece of his Get bat in, here. In, inside the card, you know, stuff like that became cool to me. And then, you know, I kind of waned a little bit in that. And then what reinvigorated it for me was my son. You know, I had my son, my son was born. I started taking him to Star Trek conventions. And then all of a sudden this concept of collecting and then maybe passing it on to him became important to me, you know? So, um, that's where the, you know, the star Trek autographs started happening. Cause it was me and him going to conventions, the photo ops started happening. Um, you know, that's, so that's where it kind of, it branched off from there. I got a question about the photos. Um, yep. I have quite a few. I've been on the cruise, I've been on the conventions and, you know, we pay a bit of money to yes. get those photos <laughs> and those autographs. So what's the best way to, to preserve or to take care of the photos and how do you show them? How do you, do you, do you keep them in a, we used to have those old books with the black pages before and you glue them in, but we don't yep. do that anymore. So, I mean, d depending on how you want to display it, you know, I mean, I, you know, I'm, I have most of my stuff in frames, but some things you really want to keep in mind when displaying is you want to make sure that the glass or the protector that you're using uses has UV protection. Mm -hmm. because what okay. can happen and, and I'll use the example of a baseball 
Have you ever, you ever seen an autographed baseball and it's nice and white and clean and crisp? And then have you ever seen a baseball that's like brown? Yeah. Like it, right. What's causing that is the UV rays from the sun or lights going on that product is what causes that to do that. So if you're going to display like a baseball or even a picture, you want to make sure that that, that outer glass or that outer plastic or that outer protection has that UV sun protection okay. to preserve, preserve that item. Um, don't go cheap on the glass when you're putting this. Yeah. Stuff. Don't, don't go cheap on the glass or the protector because what will happen is if you have too much light or too much sunlight, it can, the autograph can start to fade. And then if you have moisture in the room too, you'll, you'll get that effect of like the, the picture sticking to the glass, right. causing the, the humidity and the condensation. So just, you know, if you're in a room, like a downstairs type basement and you want to display things, make sure you got a humidifier, make sure you control that humidity that's in that room for sure. Cause those are, those are things that can damage your, your collection, you know, for sure. Yeah. I think I have mine in a, in an archive box and they're in a plastic sleeve, but I want to bring them out, you know, so that I can, I can see them more often. Cause sometimes I go in that box and I'm sort of like, wow, I forgot I even had this. <laughs> yeah. And um, so, yeah. All right. So I'm going to think about framing them. I need a Star Trek wall. Like Jamie, yep. yeah, I know you guys can't see this, but Jamie's wall is amazing over here and I'm only seeing part of it. Yeah. So, you know, another cool thing too. And, and once again, this plays into my completest thing. Um, even with the autographs and the pictures, I'm very OCD on how it's displayed. Like, and you're going to see, I drive my, like literally, and I'm not kidding. I will spend sleepless nights with graphing, with graphing paper, like mapping out how my, like every time I go to a convention, I get like four or five more autographs. I'm like, okay, how am I going to fit these oh on the God. wall? Like I literally have to map it out, you know, because I can't have an enterprise crew member, you know, on the same side as a deep space nine guy. It's just, it's like, it's um, called curating. There's, there's yeah, nothing wrong with this, Jamie. I'm a fine art major. You I would drive you crazy. I would drive because I'm like, I want it all up there everywhere and i don't care like this person this color looks good with this color and we should shade it in over here and you know i want this on the diagonal and i have no care for the form or whatever well, that's a different <laughs> method of yeah, it, it's it's complete it's completely the opposite <laughs> for me it's it's literally and like even like my photo ops like it, it's it's so funny because the first photo op i ever got was william shatner with my son and you know, I, I had told myself I wasn't going to do photo ops. And then I got my William Shatner one. And I said, all right, well, maybe I can get all the captains. So that's what that that's how it works with me is that, that becomes now my mission to yeah, I got to get I got to get every captain now. And then, you know, then I get, you know, I get Patrick Stewart and I'm like, OK, well, I got to get all the next generation people, you know, and, and one of the cool things, and, you know, if we have time, I'll, I'll tell you a story later on, but uh, you know, I'm sure many people have heard it, but I have a great story about Patrick Stewart and, you know, how, how great he was to me and my son. It's a long story, but it's, it's a good one, but you know, on my autograph from Patrick Stewart, he signed it to Jamie and Blake, you know, to me and my son. So that, turned into okay every photo op has to say to jamie and blake 
Okay. You know, you know, that's, that's my OCD. It's like, okay, it's gotta oh, be that. Down that slippery slope. Okay. Be, yeah. It's, it's, it gets dicey. It gets dicey for but that's me. That's cool you know? though, because now you have, you know, you have a method of what you want. And, you know, when you do put them all together, it really looks great. I can imagine that they really, you know, and it's going to be really sentimental for him, yeah. um, you know, looking at all those that he went and took with you. But, okay, I have another question. Okay. What's the, we were talking about how much you paid for these pictures and, you know, all this stuff. So what kind of things really appreciate and value? I'm talking what are you going to make money on in here? Like, if you're going to buy some stuff, what would be the stuff that you could probably make some cash on this in about five years? <laughs> well, obviously, there are, there are big things you got to look at, and it depends on what genre, too. It depends on if it's cards or um, rarity is a big deal. Mm-hmm. All right. So rarity, um, condition, you know, a lot some collectors are big, big on condition. Um, and, and it's like anything else. You know, the value of an item is what somebody is willing to pay for. Right. So, so that's where, you know, sometimes places like eBay can dictate what the market is. Um, but I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, the Star Trek Picard set, the first series, which I'm sure you guys here heard us talk about quite a bit, um, was coming out. And, you know, I, I wanted to get the set. Obviously, I'm a completist. I wanted to get every autograph and get every card and, and, and all that stuff. So something that I saw very early on was the rarity of the set. And what I mean by that is when you get autograph cards, they sometimes will break them down into different rarity levels. So they have what's called scarce, which means there's only a hundred or less of those cards in existence. Okay. Then the next level is um, they call it um, extremely limited, which is usually like one to 200 in existence. Then you got very limited, limited and then you know usually if it's not one of those four categories it's like 500 or more so i really saw early on once i got the checklist when i knew the set was coming out there was a ton of scarce cards in this set Hmm. and you know you know when me and mike were talking about getting a set i knew that that set was going to ultimately be very valuable because it was coming out post covid and the, the scarcity of it was, it was very, very, a lot, a lot of rare, rare cards, hundred or less, hundred or less Patrick Stewart's, things like that. So when I see something like that and I kind of project in my head, this is going to be a, a valuable item. I go all in before <laughs> the mark, before the market gets set. So, yeah. you know, I bought a couple of cases of those cards. And then when, when eBay, when the cards first came out, I was very aggressive in, in purchasing. Okay. Cause I knew that the market was going to go up on them. Mm-hmm. And then what ended up happening be, when those cards started disappearing because they were so rare, if you look at the book value there, they're a lot higher now. So if you're trying to still get those cards now, you're going to pay more of a premium, but then I'll see other sets coming out where I'm, where I'll say like, like discovery season two came out and there was a lot, not as much rarity. And I would say, well, I'm going to wait a little while before I start getting some of those for the market to come down. Mm -hmm. So sometimes it's a matter of just knowing, you know, how certain things are going to be, but if you're collecting cards, like baseball cards, basketball cards, they are big on condition, big, big on condition. You know, the true collectors, the big cards, the rookies, um, 
they, it's it's all all condition based um and a lot of it too is whether or not it's graded or not i'm not, are you are you girls familiar with grading yeah at no. all a little bit mm-hmm. yeah so 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 grade grading is where you take an item whether it's an autograph or a card or a comic book and you send it off to an authentication you know company Ooh. like beckett or um you know bsg or you know some of these some of these grading companies and they actually grade it and they put a value on that of you know usually they rate it from one to ten they'll rate the corners they'll rate the quality does it have any paper loss whether it's authentic or not and those type of things can really increase the value you know um if you got like a really well sought after rookie or a very rare autograph and you get it graded and it comes back with a high grade, you know, that can exponentially increase the value of something. Um, okay. So exponentially, you know, we mentioned comic books. And so this is, this is my yep. thing, comic books. And I think Yvette, who is at New York comic con today. Hey, Yvette, Hey JD. Um, she's another big comic book reader and collector. And so like you said earlier at the top of the show, Um, my comic book collection comes from an older brother. So I got all of his comic books when he got to be like, you know, high school, he didn't want them anymore. I got them all. And so now I have an archive box. Unfortunately, you know, my mother decided I didn't need all these comic books and threw away (laughs) half of them. And I'm like, Oh my God, it was my retirement fund. But I have a box of comics. And so if I have no, I know they're worth a lot of money. I just they're worth money because I always see them when I go to shows and I'm like, I go, I have this one. And, and the guy's selling it for like two, three hundred dollars and I'm freaking out. So yeah. how would I said I should send these to an authenticator or can I authenticate them myself or, or get a rough ballpark idea of how much all of them are worth? How do I look them up? It, it, it depends on what you're trying to do. Like if you're if you're just if you're looking to sell them um, and you like I only say go the authentication route. If you got real big ones, like big. And when I say big ones, like generally in the comic book field, you're looking for like first issues of things. So Spider-Man one, X-Man one, Superman one single digit numbers. Yeah. So if you're in the single digits, those are the, those are the big ones. And you know, what can be a good, a a good kind of um, reference point is, is look on eBay. Look and see, okay. yeah. Look and see what what they're selling for. Um, if you're seeing stuff that gets listed for one day and it's selling like right away, um, then you know, you know, you know, you got something. And you know okay, that's so where you, that's where you start place to go. eBay yeah. is my friend. I'm not gonna. Okay, I can go there. And yeah, you go there and you look and you and you put your you know whatever your whatever item you have name and number. Yeah. Put it in the description and see how much they're going for. Mm-hmm. And then you, you know, you kind of filter it out and see what ones have sold for because, you know, people will put stuff online and, and they'll try to, they'll try to set the market themselves. Like they'll put out a crazy okay. number, you know, and I've done it too. I've done it where, you, you know, you have something that you know is worth a lot of money and you know, it's, there's not a lot of them out there. So now it's a matter of, I'm going to put it out there and I'm going to see if somebody's willing to pay more than it's worth, you know? Okay. So you want to be careful of that. That's why I'm saying, see what stuff is selling, what it actually sells for. What it's selling for. Okay. Yeah, well, what, what, what I'm saying, what it, what it sold for, 
mm-hmm. necessarily. You know what I mean? Yeah. Not what somebody's asking for. Yeah. Cause they, they okay. might be two, two very different things, you know? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to do that. So I have my, okay. So there's my card questions. You answered that. I'm going to go to this place and find out and get my checklist. So now you told yeah. me about my comic books and going to eBay. I'm going to go check out all my comic books, man. I'm telling you, but this is going to be good. So the next thing I have that I have like a quasi collection, I have pocket, like the little pocket books that were written like back in the day. Oh yeah. yeah. Not, I, so I feel, okay, Jamie, stay with me on this. Are I'm more now because they're not making them anymore. <laughs> Is that making it a finite collection? Does that make it more important and cool? And they're really going to be worth money now, even though I may have like written in them and ripped off the covers on a couple of so, them. So oh that's, my God. Did you, not take, you know, I was a bookseller for 10 years. Like I cannot hear somebody talk about how they ripped off a cover on a book. Yeah. So I ripped it off on purpose, but <laughs> so th- those are, those are big for c- condition. You know, if you're if you're looking to sell some of those things, condition is everything. Okay. You know, so the ones that are written on, you. Pr- I mean, unless it's something that's very rare, or um, and I use I use this example, the golden example, and this is and this is a card, but Mickey Mantle's 1952 Tops rookie card. Well, even okay. I knew about that. Okay, okay, go ahead. So. It doesn't matter what's happened to that card, whether it's bent in half. Wow. It is the Holy grail of, of cards. It, it, it is. And I have one of them and you know, so condition matters, whether you're going to get a million dollars or not for it. But if you got one, you got one and, yeah. and, and people are willing to buy it no matter what it looks like. Mm-hmm. But there are other things like books, you know, especially not the ones that aren't as rare that people are really going to be particular about the condition, sure. you know, and, and any, any sort of the second you write on something or you cut something, it really can change the value. And, you know, so like what's happened in the past with cards is people will try to, cause you know, card collectors are very particular about the corners of cards. Mm-hmm. So what people have done in the past is they would actually cut the card to make the corners sharper. Oh. Right. And, and, you know, so that's what, that's what you call modifying something and collectors really don't like any sort yeah, of modification, the hard, the hardcore ones. And if you actually send one off to an authentication, they actually measure it, they weigh it. And they'll actually specifically say this one's been cut and it really will decrease the value of something. So the second you start writing on something or you take a cover off or you rip a page or, you know, you stick it to something, you know, you can really decrease the value, obviously. Oh, they go in my pocketbooks. Well, yeah. I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Those pocketbooks were out as soon as you said ripped, co- torn off covers, girl. Oh my god! But I have, I have a bunch of them. And so I had so many of them. People gave me, you know, shopping bags full of pocketbooks that they didn't want anymore. And they decided to give them to me. So well, those are those are mass market things too. Like they're literally yeah. pulp made from pulp. At the bookstores uh, that we worked at, like you couldn't even return mass markets you just return you would rip off the covers of the mass market and return the 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 covers to get the credit for the ones that weren't sold and the rest would just be tossed in the trash because it's like it's not even worth that much because it's pulp it's literally pulped paper and it was so cheap they're just like 
we don't want it back. Don't waste the money in the in the in the in, in sending it. You know, the, don't waste the postage to send it. You know? Yeah. Well, I'm still gonna get all of my pocketbooks. I'm just gonna collect them all. <laughs> so, and, and like I said, it's like anything else. Your your item is worth whatever somebody is willing to pay for it. Yeah. I I will say that till I'm blue in the face. You, if you can find that one person out there that really wants that, who wants a bunch of messed up pocketbooks. Okay. Yeah. They, you know, I, I, I bought an item not too long ago that it wasn't in the greatest condition, but I needed it from mm-hmm. my, from my set. You know, I was, uh, I'm a big rush fan, the band rush, and I was collecting all their tour books for oh, every wow, one of their okay. tours. So their rarest one is the first tour book they ever released from their 1977 uh, British tour um, of the 2112 album. It's very, very rare. You can't find it, you know, and, and the last time it had come on eBay, I, I got, you know, cold feet a little bit. Cause sometimes I have my max of where I'm going to go to try to get this item. And, you know, I should have been more aggressive and I didn't get it. And so it took months for me to see it again. And when I saw it again and it was a buy it now, I just said, I'm not going to wait. Cause I'm not going to lose out on somebody else getting this. And I, and I just said, I'm, I'm getting it. That's it. A motivated buyer. Yeah, I was motivated. And I, and I felt the price was good. And I felt like if it had stayed on there, I, cause, cause I had been watching these for years, you know, I had every single one other than oh. this one tour book that I've been putting together for years and I, and I know what they go for. And I said, this is a good price. I don't care that it's a little bad. You feel that to me. He's still feeling this. I know. Right. I know. I'm seeing it. I'm feeling it. Yeah. Sometimes that's what you do (laughs) and you want it. So what's the weirdest thing you've ever seen anybody collect? Like you just like, what? (laughs) I mean, you just can't even know why this would be sentimental. Oh, I've definitely seen some crazy ones. You kind of put me on the spot. I'm trying to think. Um, I don't, I, you know, we interviewed John Krikorian. and I'm trying to remember he, he had a really bizarre thing that he collected outside of Star Trek stuff, but I can't, I can't remember. I can't remember what it was. Um, oh man. Spoons. Yeah. No, I, I've seen, like, I've mm. seen people collect spoons. I've seen, you know, I, I've seen people go the route of, they like a particular licensee and they'll collect anything from that licensee. Like I've seen people who are big kiss fans mm-hmm. and they'll collect everything that's got the kiss logo on there, you know, kiss condoms and kiss diapers and, <laughs> you know, <laughs> kiss toilet paper. I mean, I'm serious. If it's, if it's got a kiss logo on there and there are people that are at star Trek, like any, if it's, says star trek on there it's a pizza cutter you know we were we yeah. were doing our show the other day and you know we were talking about you know there's, there's a discovery pizza cutter and an enterprise d pizza cutter and yeah you know that's not something i would get but i have a next generation pez dispenser set <laughs> you know <laughs> i mean i just saw it today uh on a post on facebook that uh somebody on etsy is selling a um a deep space nine sort of space station kitty tree. Yep. It's a cat tree that looks like a space station. It's so oh my dope. word. 
I was oh, like, look I that. need to get a cat again <laughs> so that I can buy a space station but, kitty tree. <laughs> but, but, but you know, this is what's so fun about collecting and what what's so fun about our show is like the stories behind what people collect. And, and, I'll, and I'll give you, for instance, a good friend of ours, Alex Perry, uh, who I'm sure you're, you're familiar with, mm-hmm. you know, he um, he's big into like screen used items, like screen used props. But one of the coolest things that he collected that I just thought was so incredible was you guys remember the next generation episode disaster yeah the one where troy takes command That's, where picard's oh yeah. in the in the turbo lift with the kids so i don't know if you remember the sequence but it was dr crusher and jordy in engine in uh one of the cargo bays Even one of the shuttle bays, bays right? shuttle bays right and they had these like toxic yellow containers that they right. had to move from one side to the other side and then they had this fire and they couldn't put the fire out so they had to figure out a way to put this fire out and get rid of these toxic containers so the actual special effects shot so they had the the containers they were full side but to do the the actual special effects they had these little small containers and they basically like tipped the camera up and like let the containers fall down on strings so alex perry actually has two of those containers that were used to film that scene oh wow and it's like you know (laughs) so cool yeah hearing him tell the story about the containers and like how he got them and that's like that's the stuff that's like oh it's so much fun hearing people (laughs) talk about putting their collections together (laughs) yeah it's the it's the quest that's to me that's the that's what drives me to do it because once you get the item yeah it's nice to display but for me it's all about the pursuit of it mm-hmm. how do i how do i get it how do i complete this how do i get it for the cheapest possible price how do i negotiate you know where do i go to get it like there's always that's to me that's what drives me to do it is the the actual pursuit of it, not actually having it. <laughs> like Mr. Spock says, like Spock said, I don't know why, but having is not always as wonderful as wanting. <laughs> yep. And I know it's people are wondering, like, what does like this collecting have to do with, you know, Sci-Fi Sisters? Like, why is Sci-Fi Sisters doing a show like this? And I'm here to say that if you've ever watched Antiques Roadshow, and you have seen the lack of brown skin <laughs> on Antiques Roadshow, on um, what actually gets aired. Like, there's a reason why we're doing this, because Black people collect, too. You know, we are there doing our thing and, and, and running markets and stuff, too. But, you know, you wouldn't. It pertains to us as well. <laughs> you know? yeah, you no, would never no, know that no, if the only to, thing you watch is Antiques Roadshow. I Just actually... Saying. I actually, a, a good friend of mine actually collected black history memorabilia. So like that was, that was her focus of what she actually did. And I remember being so impressed. Like she had, she had items that were owned by Harriet Tubman. And I mean, it was just oh, wow. really cool, wow. but that's, that's what I'm saying is like a, a collection can take on whatever meaning it wants for, for the person, you know what I mean? And, and, you know, she was very, very much into her history and her, her past and her family tree. So she was always looking to collect things within, you know, black history. And, and that was, that was what 
you know, spoke to her heart, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and, and what, what drove her to collect. And I mean, she had stuff that was very, very expensive <laughs> to mm-hmm. say the least. Um, you know, stuff from like civil war area before the civil war. Um, yeah. I mean, like like I said, you find the right person that wants to buy that stuff, um, can get a pretty penny for sure. So, so what about that? Like when you get to the point where you've really got an important collection and not just important to you, but you've got a lot of really rare stuff in it. Do you insure it? Can it be insured? Yeah, absolutely can be insured. Um, you know, it's like insuring a diamond ring, you know, it's like Mm -hmm. people put that on their home insurance policy. You absolutely can. You, you know, you can do other sort of supplemental insurance, but yeah, that's, that's very important to, you know, to make sure that you (laughs) take care of your stuff for sure. Cause things can happen like floods or hurricanes or, but you know, that's, that's the part that's, that's tricky because, you know, yeah, there may be monetary things that you could replace, but you ain't going to replace a photo op with Patrick Stewart if he's never doing a photo yeah. op again, mm-hmm. you know, right. or you're, you're never right. going to replace something that maybe is a one of a kind item. Cause that's the tricky one to put a price tag on, right. you know, it's easy to put a price tag on something when you know, there's a hundred in existence or 250 in existence, but it's hard to put a price tag on something that there's only one of them out there in the world. You right. know, it's only as much as somebody is willing to pay for it, you know? Yeah. I heard you say that on your show. It's not worth anything. If it's on your wall, it's only. Yeah. Well, my wife always teases me because, you know, she always sees my autographs and she'll always bust my chops and say, aren't those worth more if they don't actually put your name on there? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, they're worth more. I you did know, actually it, learn that from Antiques Roadshow. <laughs> you know, they are, but my Star Trek pictures, they have that, they, they have sentimental value to me. Those, right. those were my experiences with my son going mm-hmm. to the convention. That's like, those are my memories. And, you know, those pictures are the, the visual representation of those memories, you know, and, and he's older in each one of the pictures. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you see a gradual, like when he, when we saw Shatner, he was like two years old and then Patrick Stewart, he was like two and a half. And then you got to like, um, you started seeing like Kate Mulgrew, he was like three and four and the next gen cast, he's five, six. That's cool. And, and then you get to like, you know, um, you get to Anson Mount and he's like eight, nine. So it's, 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 it was cool to see him, you know, kind of grow and develop and become his own person, especially like you see him as a, as a baby. And then you, then I saw him like when he was five and we met all the next generation people, he, he had his Kirk, you know, uniform <laughs> on. Okay. And he had, he had his, he had his toy phaser, strapped to the the side of his his um his belt like i i'll never forget that whole weekend i kept trying to tell him hey let's take the photo op without the the toy phaser because i'm thinking about how the picture's gonna look (laughs) and he would not take that phaser off i mean just was you know i have tons of pictures of him firing at people and and every picture he's got it strapped to his side you know, but then you look at the years after and he's in like regular clothes because he got past wearing the uniforms, you know, now he's, he's he was, on one side of the room and, you know, the yep. with phaser and then he's like yep. without phaser. Yeah. So, but it just, it 
to your point, you just see the, the development and the evolution and, you know, it's, you know, those are good memories for me. Yeah. You know? So, so tell me, you mentioned Anson Mount. And so we just had Star Trek day last month and that was terrific. And we've got all these new shows coming out. What, can you tell us by looking in your collector crystal ball and say, do you know anything about what cool things are going to come out for any of these new shows that maybe we should get a jump on now because they're going to be rare? (laughs) Well, it's hard because, you know, a lot of times, you know, timing is everything and they're not going to release things really before it's very rare especially like a new show like strange new worlds that you're going to see anything prior to it actually coming out you know it's going to wait and see if the show's a hit yeah well it's no they'll have stuff lined up but it's just Uh a matter of timing Mm -hmm. they're not going to you know there's there's the old adage of like like you know when you think of like star wars you know star wars when it first came out they couldn't make the toys fast enough because right. of the demand, you know, once the movie came out. So it, it, they're not, they're not going to put something out until there's a demand for it, it, you know? And the reason I say that is you're not going to release figurines of characters, you know, nothing about, or can be invested in until you've actually seen the show. And, Oh, I really like this character. I want a figurine of this character. Gotcha. You know, one's going to drive the other, um, you know, especially in like the card industry. And, and usually with CBS too, is they're not going to let stuff get out until they've approved it. And they see it's, it's quite a process. I mean, you talk to licensees like fan sets, Rittenhouse, which those are people that we've talked to over the, I mean, it's quite a process to get something approved, you know? So just going back to those XO six, you know, figurines, you know, they have to make a mold of that item. They have to send it off to CBS to get approved. They send it back. Okay. Now you can do it. Now they got to send it off to the actor. Oh, wow. And the actor has to approve it. You wow. know, I had no idea. Oh yeah. That's, wow. Yeah. And, and that goes, you, you've got to go that, on their website and look at these things. Cause it is amazing. And I know Patrick Stewart was like, Oh yeah, print it up, do it. Yeah. <laughs> and but which like, company I'll, is this again? Which, which, one were you license, which licensee was that? What were you talking oh, about? Are you Sony? talking about XO, XO6? Uh, oh, okay. XO6, that's the one I'm talking about. Okay. But, but, but I, I'm going to give you an example. Um, and and, I, and I'm going to say this example. Hopefully I don't get in trouble, but it, it's a fan sets example. Well, we need to talk um, about fan sets. Those yeah. So our, our, our good friends of fan sets. Um, they were doing a Catherine Janeway um, pen. And I mean, literally they, they went to their, cause their manufacturers are out of the country. So they went to the manufacturers back and forth. They created a mold. Then they have to create a sample. You know, they got their sample back. They sent it off to CBS. It went to CBS, everything got approved and all that stuff. And then it came back and then it, it went off to Kate Mulgrew. Now, if you remember in Voyager, the first season, she used to have the bun. I, I knew right? right where we were going. Right. She used to have the bun on her head. Okay. And then obviously as the show evolved, she started cutting her hair and, um, you know, she uh, initially Kate Mulgrew hated the bun hairstyle when she was on the show. She hated it. It used to give her headaches, especially the long work days. So she complained 
and got them to allow her to to wear her hair yeah, the and Dax not wear the for a moment yeah mm-hmm. yeah because it was tight it was so tight they, they you know they always have this concept of it has to be tight because it's in space so anyways their first their first um micro crew was her in the bun so what do you think happened oh that kate, <laughs> kate, gets, kate, it right kate gets it says nope no bun on there sent it back they had to start the whole process over again uh, i love kate <laughs> wow. but that's what happens you know wow. and, and um you know another guy who, who i love to death one of the nicest guys scott bacula mm-hmm. yeah great great guy but he's he's been known to be very tough on approving stuff you know if you ever see him in like video games or on cards or like i don't know if you got girls ever played like star trek timelines on on your phones or whatever but there would be very few archer characters on there because it used to take him so long he'd, oh. keep, he'd keep kicking it back say oh i don't like my hair in this one or i look a little bald in this one or, you know <laughs> oh whatever it is my god but there there's there's such a process for these licensees you know um and, and you think too like even the cards like Rittenhouse, I mean, you know, they got to get all these actors to agree to do these autographs too. You know what I mean? So that, that's, that's a whole nother process. I mean, you know, he's been doing it for so long. It's, it's easy for a guy like that. To, once he gets Patrick Stewart, Patrick Stewart can say, Hey, you know, you guys can all do this. He's a good guy, you know, it, but you, you got to think about that, getting that approval and, and, you know, that whole, you know, that whole, um, that whole sequence is, 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 is different, you know? Yeah. Yeah. We know, um, you know, Kaylea and over there at science division, when they came up with that interactive tribble, you know, she told, she came and told us about what they had to go through to get that. Oh, done. Yeah. It was just like, I know she's been on your show too. Yeah. And Jay. And so, you know, wow. I, I can't even imagine. I mean, it gets to the point where you could just say, I give up, but, yeah, well, that's where they were. They were right on the edge of getting yeah. up. Um, and that's, you know, like I said, I mean, that that's it, it's stuff like that that happens, you know, where it, it can be very frustrating as a licensee to, to try to get a product out. But, I mean, you know, you look at those XO6s and you can't imagine Kate Mulgrew looking at that and going, yeah, you need to fix, you know, this or that or – but we don't know. Maybe maybe those first had a bun on them. Yeah. And, well, and you know, it's funny because another fan so no got those pins for um, all the different iterations that were on, you know, on their chest. But that is something that I can just see a lot of people collecting. I mean, they have some fantastic pins. They really do. Oh, and yeah. The last group that came out, did they have the Tayshawn pin? Did they have a Lower Decks pin? Did that come out yet? They have, they have the set of the of the crew, the original seven okay. from season one. So you have, you know, you have your, um, Mariner. I'm there. Tayshawn has not come out. Yeah. I'm, sh- I'm sure it's going to come out because. <laughs> and we'll be quickly gobbled up. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That, Love that, that show. That was the thing that just totally won me over with Lower Decks when they brought him in the Tamarian. I was just a goner. 
I have a question about that. So if you have a person who has never listened to the Divine Treasury before, what do you want to tell them about the show to entice them over? Because I'm encouraging you all, if you haven't listened to the show, to please listen, because it's so much fun and it's so informative. I learned so much from the show. It's so cool. And I don't think I really didn't think that I was going to be interested you know honestly like i was like because it's not my thing like i don't really collect stuff i mean well i kind of do but my form of collecting for my fandom is can i wear it (laughs) you know like can i wear it or can i use it is it practical you know and like can i use it in my daily life and still show off my love of my fandom and that's pretty much it like if it's something that i have to dust (laughs) if if it's something that i need to take care of and make sure it doesn't get destroyed in some kind of way i'm like very few you know not so much for me but what what are people going to learn on divine treasury because you guys got me caring about stuff that i never thought that i would care about so thank you for that if you can get past the first half of the show where me and mike (laughs) you know talk (laughs) talk between the two of us aimlessly about um the things that we've acquired or the things that are coming out really listen for the stories from our guests that, uh, and like I said, it's something that, you know, when we were first talking about doing this show, you know, I initially said, I don't think this is sustainable. I, don't, I just, I, I don't think we can do this. And I, I was, that, that was, you know, when, when we, you know, we had the discussions with Bill and Dan about doing it and, you know, I thought it was a great concept, but I just said, it's not sustainable. But, but some of the people that we've met and some of the stories that we've done, um, you know, and then even, you know, check out some of the, um, um, we call it collector's corner where we actually talk to like the licensees. Those can be, those can be a lot of fun too. You know, like Steve from Rittenhouse, if you're a card person, Oh, that was so much fun. Like I literally, I had about 20 questions I want to ask him. And I asked about three because <laughs> I mean, cause he just loves what he does. You know, he just yeah. loves, he loves his products. And like, you know, an example with him, like if you were to collect like star Wars cards and you were to get the star Wars autograph cards, they do a lot of like stickers where the, where the, where they'll send a bunch of stickers to the, the celebrity and they'll sign the stickers and then put the sticker on the card. He does his autographs right on the card. He sends the cards right to the people. And to me, that's a big difference to me as a collector. That's, that's telling like, like when I look at what tops is putting out for a product, I look at it as like, they're all they care about is money and -hmm. all they care about is production. They're going to send a bunch of stickers and then they're going to, to me, it shows care that Steve is like, Nope. I'm sending the card to them. This card was autographed, you know? Um, so that's a big difference. To finding me. things out like that is what was is su- super cool. You know, um, you know, talking to Dayton Ward, that was so much fun as well. You know, and- that's a great show. Anybody that loves the books, listen to that show. Yeah. And, and it's funny because, you know, the interview was, was good. But when you listen to the collector's corner of Dayton Ward, it, it was just so much better. You know, when he really started talking about the process of what it what it takes to to do a novel and the collaboration and you know how he went from basically being a computer programmer 
who did this part-time to now this is his full-time job. I mean, it's just, you learn things about people and you learn about, um, what, what motivates people. And like I said, it was something I never thought I was going to experience. I thought it was, you know, it's going to be hard to sustain a show like this, but you know, just, and, and some of the friends and meeting, you know, wonderful people like you guys is just, it's, it's, such a good experience for sure yeah. you know you so should. listen to the second half if, if you can't get through the first half <laughs> of just me and mike you know rambling on just fast forward to like the second half like um you know like jake black's interview was was wonderful too yeah that's another yeah. one another wonderful one to check out but um you know what's become the favorite part of my show though is the awards section when we talk about the awards like yeah. You know, we, we, we do this awards section at the end. And, and like I said, if you're going to listen to anything, listen to the ending, because we talk about, you know, basically what item is, you know, that a person wants, we talk about the item that's the most valuable, but then there's that third one and we call it the Resican flute award. It's what item has the most sentimental value to you. And you'd be amazed what people will say when they get to that award right. section, you know, I have this as a question. I have it here as a question. What is yours? The, my, what was my resican flute? What's the piece? Yeah. That, my God, if the flood is coming, that's the first thing you're going to grab. Um, it's my Patrick Stewart photo op with my son. I, I had a feeling. I yeah. had a feeling. It's, yeah, tell uh, us that story. So, oh boy, I've told the story so many times, but, um, <laughs> not to us. Yes. Right. <laughs> all right. So these poor people that are going to, you know, hear this for the 10th time, but basically, um, I'm a big next generation fan. Um, I love the original series, but next generation, that's my show. That's what I grew up on. Um, I love the original series, movie, but I really, I, I love Patrick Stewart, you know, and I've, always had a you know fondness for him and an admiration for him but um when i first started collecting my my pictures my autograph pictures i really wanted to get the entire next generation cast on a large black and white um kind of like a casual photo of the seven of them so it was the 20 um the 25th anniversary and they were all coming to boston which is, you know, I'm, I'm not too far from Boston. I live in Rhode Island. They were all coming there for the anniversary. And so I figured, oh, I'll get all seven of them. This is going to be great. And, you know, my son was two at the time. So we ended up, I ended up taking them. We had met most of the people, but at the last minute, you know, Patrick Stewart backed out, Jonathan Franks backed out. So I said, well, I'll get everybody else. But I said, I got to figure out how I'm going to get Patrick Stewart. So, coincidentally patrick stewart at the time was doing two plays in new york he was doing waiting for godot and no man's land um so he had decided that the only convention he was going to do that year uh was the new york wizard world convention hmm. in new york city so you know me being the I would think forward thinking person that I am. I, I think it's going to be a great idea to take my two and a half year old son, get him up early in the morning on a Saturday and drive him to a convention in New York. What, what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> right. That's brilliant, dad. So I buy the <laughs> Patrick Stewart VIP package 
where it's got a photo op, an autograph. You get a seat like right in the front for his panel, all this other stuff. So we go. Now, by this point, I had had the William Shatner picture with my son. So that was like that concept of doing the picture with my son was really cool. But that William Shatner picture, William Shatner was sitting in a chair, which is what he does most of the time now. And my son was able to kind of stand up in front of him and I was able to kind of crouch over around him. So it made the picture really easy to do. So we go to the convention, we get there about nine in the morning. We go meet Ray Park from Star Wars. Awesome. We meet Will Wheaton. We go meet Patrick Stewart right in the beginning. Super nice, super cool. So I get my eight by 10 of Patrick Stewart. I get my black and white cast photo. I get it. So he signs both of those. Super cool, super easy to talk to. So now comes like noontime and uh, time for the photo op. So everything was going great. We're in line for the photo op. And uh, my son starts having a meltdown in the photo op line. So you will never see a more desperate father than you saw on this um, Saturday afternoon where I was literally begging and pleading with my son. Like I promised him anything (laughs) this world had to offer. Dad will buy you any candy, any food, any toy. I just, this is dad's favorite captain. Please. <laughs> like, two and a half year old was like, uh-huh. And he and was like what? having <laughs> nothing to do with it. I mean, I was like, we can leave as soon as this is done. And he was, sc- I mean, crying, screaming. <laughs> like it was, it was bad. Like, like epic, epic meltdown. Worst meltdown I've ever experienced with them. So I'm getting, I'm kind of panicking a little bit. Cause I'm like, how's this going to work? You know, <laughs> when I go in to do this photo op, right? So we come around the corner and, and remember I had said about William Shatner's being where he was sitting in a chair. I come around the corner and I see the photographers sitting in a, like a director's chair. And he's got this like full stand where the, where the camera is sitting on this stand. It's not moving. And I'm like, oh, this isn't good. So now I turn and I see Patrick Stewart standing up. And now I'm really getting nervous because I'm like, how are we going to do this? My son is screaming at the top of his lungs. Patrick Stewart is standing. How are they going to do this picture? So we, I get to be almost my turn. And I get to the, the little assistants and I say, hey, so how are we doing this picture? And they're like, we're doing one camera angle. That's it. He's standing up. You're going to have to pick your son up. That's what we're doing. So I'm like, Oh boy. So I'm like, I'm like praying to any God that I believe in. And we go up and I go to pick my son up and he snaps like (laughs) just whatever he was doing before was like times 10. screaming hands going all over the place kicking all this other stuff and my heart like when i tell you like sunk like i thought this was like the worst day of my life like i was literally like (laughs) getting ready to break down and cry so the assistants who are there are getting very upset with me and they're literally like you need to get your son under control or we're gonna have to ask you to leave (laughs) or get out of the line (laughs) So all of a sudden I hear this voice and it's Patrick Stewart. 
and he yells, stop everything. So my first thought, this is going to be a story for the ages because Patrick Stewart is going to throw me out of his right. photo op. I know, right? Right. <laughs> right? So he goes, stop everything. He points at the cameraman and he goes, I want you to take that camera off the stand. We're going to change the whole camera angle. And everybody just stops and kind of freezes in their tracks. And they're like, what did he just say? And they're like, they start arguing and all this other stuff. And finally, somebody who was, you know, I, I don't know where I was. I was like, not even on the planet. <laughs> that point. I'm like in a corner curled up somewhere crying. Cause I'm not going to get a picture with my favorite captain. Um, so somebody there said, take the camera off the stand. Patrick Stewart tells you to take the camera off the stand, take the camera off the stand. So they start like going around. Like I said, I'm, I'm curled up in a corner, sucking my thumb, whatever I'm doing. And Patrick Stewart gets down on his knees and starts talking to my son oh. and literally just, and I'm not exaggerating, had like a five minute conversation with my son. My son's crying. He's all red. His cheeks are like bright, <laughs> bright red, all disheveled. And Patrick Stewart just gets down on his knees and just starts talking to him. And he wow. actually introduces himself as Captain Picard. Wow. And he says, he goes, he goes, Hey, what's your name? You know, I I'm Captain Picard. So nice to meet you. Uh, you know, do you, you watch the show? And, and my son's just like, yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> you know, so he just has this conversation and my son started to calm down. And he literally said to my son, after like five minutes of talking to him, he just says, he goes, you know, Blake, you know, what would make me the most happiest person in the world. You know, what would make my day. My son's like, what? If you took a picture with me today, that would, Aww. that would, that would mean the world to me. If you took a picture with me, he said, do you think you can do that? And my son was like, yeah, I, I think I can do that. And he goes, all right, so this is what we're going to do. I'm going to get down on my knees. You're going to stand up. Your dad's going to get down on his knees and we're all going to take a picture together. Well, how does that sound? And my son said, okay. And literally it was like that perfect moment where my son smiled. I mean, you can see in the picture, he's a little disheveled. Like he's got a shirt, like a little crumpled up because, you know, I didn't have time to fix it. Cause I was just so like dumbfounded about what was going on. But we took this great, great picture and I'll, I'll never forget. I got the picture and I was so blown away by how well it came out that I said, you know, I want to go back and I want him to autograph this. So about three hours later, after we had gotten the, the photo op, we went back over to his table. And as we were walking up to his table, he yelled to my son and he remembered my son's name uh. and said, Hey Blake, remember me? We took a picture together and just, oh, wow. and my son just lit up. And still to this day, he still tells that story. Like, wow. you know, cause he, and he's met everybody. He's met every, every cast member from every show, but he'll still talk about how, you know, when he was having a bad day, how Patrick Stewart calmed him down and uh. was, was forgiving or whatever it was. So we, we went up to Patrick Stewart and, you know, I said to him, I said, you know, I'd really like you to autograph this to Jamie. And he said, he goes, I really don't want to autograph it to Jamie. And I said, well, now I'm kind of like, what, what do you mean? He goes, I, you know, it would mean a lot to me if I did it to Jamie and Blake. Oh my so, God. So, and then my son was like, dad, can we do that? Can, can he do it to Jamie and Blake? 
And I said, yeah, absolutely. So, so Patrick Stewart was the one that started that photo op tradition of wow, to so Jamie cool. and Blake, Patrick Stewart, you know, that's and cool. that you know, is a great story. Yeah. That is a fantastic story. That is so cool. That's why I wanted you to tell it. Like I've heard it before, but I mean, yeah. I love hearing it again, you know, it's a, and that's, I think is at the heart of what you, what you guys bring out that, um, it lets me know, you know, that, uh, you know, behind every collectible, uh, behind a lot of things, there's a story behind the collectibles, you know, um, that the, a lot of these things really touch us in, you know, significant ways. Um, yeah, they're not no. just things to possess all the time, you know? No, absolutely. And, and like I said, to me, that picture represents what kind of person Patrick Stewart is, sure. you know, and, and I'll, and I'll never forget that experience, you know, and, uh, you know, whatever happens, you know, obviously at some point he's going to pass on and, and whatever, but I'm always going to have that memory. And, you know, that, 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 I, that I cherish of, of meeting him, you know, and I've met him several times now, cause I actually have a, a cast photo op with him as well of the whole next gen cast. Um, and I've got other autographs and stuff of all the times I've met him, but, but that one particular was so special. Hmm. Um, and, and even, even his panel, he was, he was just, I've never seen somebody, you know, at the end of a panel actually argue with the moderator, you know, the moderator told him that time was up and it was time to get off the stage. And he actually said to the moderator, he goes, he goes, I'm not getting off this stage until every person that wants to ask me a question, ask me a question. Oh, wow. You know, I've never seen somebody do that, you know, and it was, it was like seven o'clock at night. I mean, he was done probably tired, but sure he was just, you know, he's just a guy that truly is humble and appreciates the fans and appreciates what he has in life. And, you know, that, that, it, that, it, it means that collectible means something to me because um, of all these other elements, you know, you know, it's so funny because um, he's such a class act that the last uh, Emmy awards that happened, um, Michaela Cole won the Emmy for uh, I May Destroy You. You I've been watching this thing all night and I was so rooting for her to win this Emmy for writing. And when they called her name, it was Sir Patrick that was giving her the Emmy. And when she got up on the stage, you know, Brit to Brit, she did this little curtsy to him and he just gave her this thing. And I was like, oh my God, he is so cool. (laughs) She was just like, Sir Patrick, I said, yes, girl, that is who he is. It was just a moment that I just loved. He was just, he's just all that. He really is. So yeah, story. No, no, it's definitely, uh, you know, it's, it's definitely something that's meant a lot to me over the years and something I'll never forget for sure. <laughs> yeah. So Sir Patrick, if you're listening and we know you, and are. I know you are, <laughs> we just love you <laughs> we do we do we love and we love you guys at divine treasury we love you guys i mean uh, we yeah. love you too i love, love our too. i love our trek geeks family it's so cool when you were talking about you know we just sit here and talk about this thing that we happen to love and it leads us to all these other people and all these new experiences. And that's, what's been so amazing about like becoming about the sci-fi sisters saying like, Hey, we just want to talk about stuff from our point of view and our perspective. And 
let's have some fun. And then we meet all these people and our lives are so enriched. And, you know, we go down, we go down different pathways and we thought that we were, would ever go down. Like, cause honestly, I could tell you right now, honey, I did not think that that was going to be a show that would interest me, but it has, you know, <laughs> it has. And now I'm just waiting for you guys to do like a geeks antiques roadshow. Yeah. Like, I'm just waiting it's for coming. you guys to take it's the coming. reins and, and do it. Cause I'm all over that. <laughs> and we'll get some brown skin on that too. Right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us. I'm sorry Mike couldn't be here, and I'm sorry uh, the rest of the sisters couldn't be here, but they're all doing cool things. I uh, hope so, Mike is. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes. No, he's he's doing cool things. And, you know, I could talk for hours about this stuff. You can, I'm sure you can see that. I get very uh, <laughs> emotional and passionate about this stuff. And, you know, yeah. it's a part of it's a part of my fandom. It, it, it's, I think it's that's, how I express myself, you know, that's what it is. I mean, you, you hit on it a few times when you said that we do a thing uh, on our on our uh, social media called Fandom Fridays. And we just ask people to show us what they you know, what they're geeking about. And people just take a picture of stuff and show us their cool things. And, you know, people just love Star Trek and they love collecting things about it and especially if it has some sort of meaning or story behind it and that's what I truly do love about listening to your show it's like yeah I get a lot of good ideas in fact and I know where I'm going to get my checklist and da 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 but the stories are just amazing so I really I really appreciate it and I love it it's a great show great show so hey Jamie where can people reach you if they want to reach out to you guys Yep. So, um, divine underscore treasury, um, is our, is our show handle. And so you can find us, you know, on Twitter, Twitter is mostly where, where I hang out. Um, I am J M R O G 84. Um, pretty much most of the things I talk about are positive things, <laughs> positive <laughs> things in my collecting. And, you know, I'm currently doing the USS enterprise D build. So if you follow me on Twitter, you get to see all the steps to the enterprise D um, as I put it together. So Ugh. that's, that's wow. the follow. Nice. <laughs> that, that, folks. Follow that. All right. So and if you want to reach us, you can find us on the Twitter also at sci-fi sisters or on Facebook at sci-fi sisters and we also have the sci-fi sisters mothership group and we have the sci-fi sisters book club and on instagram we're sci-fi dot sisters and that's s-y-f-y-s-i-s-t-a-s and before we leave we can't do anything without shouting out the baddest engineer in the universe and that's dose the anonymous dose 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 you feeling better we love you dose we hope you're feeling better uh and if you need his services for either music or production services you can reach him at dose the anonymous one at gmail.com that's d-o-s-t-h-e the number one no D-O-S-T-A-G-A-N-O-N-Y-M-O-U-S, the number one at gmail.com. Oh, I can get it together. It'll be in the notes. <laughs> it's in the notes because I can't spell. <laughs> and Sabrina, 
Yes. Thank you so much for leading us down the collecting road. See, yeah, sorry, I told I you you're going to like it. The conversation. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because I'm like, oh, I, I sh- why didn't I talk about this? Or why, you know, I, I, I get on these tangents and. We'll save you know. that for the next time. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to log in on my iPad so I can walk around the room. Okay. Okay. So we can do a little tour. The last thing is thanks for listening. Y'all see you next week. Bye. Bye. Peace, love and hair grease.